passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to. 2024. I am John Pollock along with Day One Ting. Hello, way. Eh? Day one. What a what a start. Apologies for my voice, everybody. Um I thought I thought I had a cold. Uh turns out I had what is known, of course, as COVID nineteen. Uh first time. First time. First time. I, I was to thinking about this. Uh, I was not aware of you having it prior, at least uh, to, to your knowledge. So yeah. So you and WWE celebrating day one today. That, that, what a way to to celebrate, of course. Yeah, boy. But, um, yeah, overall, I, I feel fine. You know, obviously very, very congested. Um, so again, apologies for my voice, but um, I think I'll, I'll be all right for the next hour and a half or so. Oh, man, so what are you doing? Are you um, are you like staying away from people? Or are you just like you know what? It's it's too difficult. No, I'm I'm I'm. We're staying at home. Yeah, we're staying at home, not not really going anywhere. Well, I'm just saying, like I- I- interaction with like your your family members and such. I mean, is that are you trying to limit it? It's like it, oh, we all only so- everybody in the house has it. It's oh, not- I was not aware of that. That oh, I yeah, did not yeah. know. Oh, all three of you have it. Oh my! In God. many ways, it makes things much easier. How actually. how did you test uh, young Oscar? Um, well, he has a runny nose, so that kind of oh, you didn't actually test easier. him though. Okay. I mean, we we did using a lot of what came out of his nose, and uh, even that was enough to you know just um, get a positive okay. test. So, yeah, that'll be the, fun. Only, the only time the I've tried to is. test uh, my my kids. Um, I literally thought they were going to like destroy me, and just it was just uh-huh. too scary. So, yeah. um, well, that's awful news. Um, how are you feeling? I know you. I know you. Well, you you and I went out together to a part the same party on Friday, and then you drove me home afterwards. And then Saturday, if people listen to it, both of us were sick on Saturday, yeah. and then Sunday, I was just I felt awful. Like I just had a terrible like it was a cold in my throat. Mm-hmm. Today I woke up. I'm significantly better, and I'm a little stuffed up, but I'm just I, I I'm I think I'm fine. That's that's my feeling on things. So okay. I'm, I'm fine. I, uh, I I don't quite know. Um, as it turns out, I'm actually going to be alone uh, for, for the next few days. So uh, it does. Uh, but I, I think I'm OK. I think uh, like Christ, how many times could I possibly have COVID? How many times have you, have you had it? I've had it twice that I'm aware of. So twice. OK. And, and uh, the last time recent, 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 very recent, like November, I had it. So OK. Um, well, way we all hope that you make a speedy recovery. It's um, hopefully just like 
two to three days of like real bothersome. And then, I mean, at least in my situations, it was like two awful days and then just uh, passes through. I mean, you are vaccinated. You should be, uh, you know, read a book, read a book and and enjoy some. uh... I don't know if there's going to be much time for reading. Like the challenge now is to keep Oscar occupied while, you know, staying at home and um, with us at, at pretty low energy levels. So. Well, um, that's our biggest challenge. I'll be reading a lot of books, but not for me, for him. And they'll be consisting of um, a lot of basic nursery rhymes. Okay. Well, uh, do report back to us. So um, new year, new ting. And now we are going to uh, move on into uh, the show today. And it's a big week here at Post Wrestling. We have lots coming up this week. News to Wazers. We are going to be uh, up on the Post Wrestling Cafe this Thursday after Russell Kingdom. It'll be myself, Wei Ting, and Bruce Lord reviewing the show from the Tokyo Dome. So tune in on Thursday. That will be exclusive to postwrestlingcafe.com members. Uh, so all levels will have access to our Russell Kingdom review. And then all of your regulars back on the cafe this week, including Rewind to SmackDown and Collision Course, Rich Fan and WH Park. They're going to finish up season two of What If? And then on Sunday night, we will be live for Cafe members with the best and worst of 2023 show with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman uh, joining me live. And we'll, we'll find out about way uh, to be determined, I guess, by Sunday. Yeah. Um, so we'll be live for Cafe members. The show will be made available to everybody after Sunday. But if you do want to listen to us do the show live together on Sunday night, um, that is going to be for Cafe members. And it is a, a big month. Here at the cafe, we will have multiple editions of Rewind Away, including our next going to Hamilton, Ontario for WWF's breakdown event in September of 98. That will be coming up next week, and we'll have a, a full list of all the uh, the, the cafe uh, menu items uh, coming up uh, this coming month uh, as well. So are you ready for the week ahead? I, I'm going to try my best to be. I, I think I will. Yeah. Well, just to put a... Uh, just looking at Saturday's news, when we last spoke to everyone, it was after the World's End show, and it featured a two-and-a-half-hour press conference afterward, the majority of the focus being on Tony Khan and his comments as it regarded the uh, Chris Jericho situation. If you had a chance wait, to listen to Tony Khan's comments uh, in context, we went over them uh, on Saturday, but just getting a chance to hear it, it was brought up multiple times, um, and Tony Khan responded as... Though, you know, he reiterated the fact that um, this is the safest company in wrestling. He is not going to address unsourced Internet rumors and not going to get into it would not answer the question uh, that was posed to him about whether Chris Jericho had been ever investigated in the past or will be now in light of this news. So how would you assess, you know, the, the main subject that came out of the press conference? Um, I think my, my feeling coming off of the press conference is that I, he answered about as much as I expected him to, um, given, I think how maybe fresh the news was in the public uh, sphere and, um, just the lack of, I think, evidence or information that's really out there. I, I wasn't really expecting much of a definitive, you know, um, uh, answer either way. Uh, and it just seems to be within sort of Tony's MO to, not even deny the fact that there was an investigation or or confirm um so he was going to basically leave that press conference making sure that none of us had any extra information yeah which i think is um 
an unfortunate part of what came out of that. I understand that Tony is going to be extremely limited in what he's going to share in the best of times. And for something as sensitive as this, I would think that Tony Khan was like, they very much went into this press conference prepared for these questions and Tony having his, his line that he was going to use. I think at the very least, I would have liked to have heard him state that obviously we take every one of these seriously and we, we we do plan to at the very least look into this. Um, I, I think that would have given people some reassurance instead of, you know, just to use the term like unsourced internet rumors negates the fact that there was some post here of what weight you can't necessarily determine from Kylie Ray, but regardless, she did chime in on all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have been one of the questions to ask to Tony Khan is that, at least at the end of this, will you be reaching out to Kylie Ray to determine what was meant by that post? Is there something here or was this misconstrued at the very least? That to me would be a given is that you would be reaching out to Kylie Ray to decipher what, what did this emoji mean? We cannot make definitive conclusions based off an, of an emoji, but we yeah. saw what that generated on Saturday and mm-hmm. I think just at the very least that we obviously are going to take this seriously. We cannot share more than that, but we obviously take this seriously. Right. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know if, if um, he would have even said that much um, just to just under maybe again, a, a rather limited maybe time frame, And also um, the fact that it's, it's, um, Wait, is it, is it a the answer I would expect from him would be very similar to what he said. You know, we have a very uh, safe environment. We have a disciplinary community who will be invest who who investigates in, in, into issues like these. Like I, I just, I, it's hard for me to think that he would give you anything more, even if you you know had a very well phrased question like what you suggested. Well, it's just he is he is limiting what he is going to state with the idea that there is going to be nothing that can be that can further fan the flames that there is not going to be mm-hmm. any uh, controversy that is added to this in the absence of information though you are leaving the door open for many people to make their own assumptions not in terms of what happened but if you were to just watch this press conference in a vacuum with the understanding of what was going on on Saturday i think many people would just draw the conclusion there was never an investigation prior And more importantly, there's not going to be one now either. Like you didn't leave that with the assumption that this is something that they are going to be actively getting to the bottom of after this. And if that is not fair to Tony Khan, he did not give the people that opportunity to 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 counter that conclusion that people are going to make that this is something that is this going to be followed up on is this idea that this will just get swept up in the news cycle mm-hmm. like there is like what is the next step here when there is not a pay-per-view next weekend and there will not be follow-up questions for a long time in any kind of public setting right i mean i really do wonder um what public updates there might be if there is any sort of internal you know discussion that what, what what's the next opportunity we may possibly have to hear tony khan speak to the public in a setting like this or via another interview 
I mean, he won't be doing another media availability until Revolution. Like, there's nothing before that unless something unique pops up. And is the story going to have enough interest from the public, you know, to 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 um to carry on through that period? I mean, typically the, these stories, like they they people move on from these these stories when there is not like a conclusion or there is not enough of a, of a fervor that action has to be taken. And again, like this is not that. Uh, an immediate like uh, judgment needs to be made. I'm just stating that I would, I would look at what happened Saturday of, okay, we, we need to find out like what, what is the substance of, of this problem? Was there some issue that occurred or is this something that like we, we, there's just questions. Are the answers going to be sought out? And I think you could leave that press conference questioning if those steps are going to be taken or not. It was all about the present, that today, if something happens, they can go to Tony Khan. They can go to the disciplinary committee. But we're not talking about an incident that occurred now. We're talking about something that allegedly occurred years ago. Yeah, yeah, I think that would have been a good follow-up. You know, was there um, th- this disciplinary committee in place uh, at that time? If not, then what sort of, um, I guess, you know, substitutes did you have at the time? And how did AEW handle situations like these when the companies first began? A memo was sent out to staff at WWE Today confirming the departure of Kevin Dunn, which was first reported by PWInsider.com on Saturday night with Nick Khan uh, writing out the memo stating, after 40 plus years of helping to build WWE and hands down the best production and media unit in the entire sports and entertainment business, Kevin Dunn will be leaving our company as of today. And this was sent out today. Before WrestleMania 1, Kevin joined Vince at WWF. Many of us remember a pre-WrestleMania WWF, a regional wrestling company that looked like a regional wrestling company. Then we experienced WrestleMania 1, whether live on closed circuit or years later elsewhere. It was magic. A regional wrestling company had become a global sports entertainment juggernaut. Vince led the way side by side with Kevin Dunn. When many of us were kids standing in line waiting to play Pac-Man, Kevin was already on the road breaking his back to help build our company. When you see our product now, there is nothing that comes close to its look or feel. 52 weeks a year, three to four times a week, it is singular and truly special. No other company can or will do that, and that is because of Kevin and our media team's hard work, smarts, and determination. We are forever grateful to Kevin. He will always be a part of the WWE family. Then, Mm -hmm. now, forever, together. Mm-hmm. He did not include the signature at the end, but I mean, was I can hear um, I can hear um, uh, Creed in the background already, you know, set to that. Oh man, um, maybe a great live is going to play the at his retirement party. Yeah, a great compilation video of all of Kevin Dunn's great edits. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, a lot has uh, I think been said about Kevin Dunn over the past maybe a couple of days since this this new came, news came out. Um, this PO, uh, this memo internally, of course, is going to focus on a lot of the great that he's done for this company, and he d- deserves a lot of the kudos for a lot of the advancements in professional wrestling television pr- presentation that uh, I'm sure he's responsible for. Um, a lot has also come out about some of the not very good things that he's been a part of. And then, well, I'm not just talking about camera cuts, you know. I'm talking about maybe um, attitudes he's had in the past towards uh, hiring a female talents or which females talents to push. Um, John Moxley certainly didn't have very favorable things to say in his book. So um, he, he I, has a lot of enemies out there. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, he is somebody that has held an, a significant, significant amount of influence. And outside of a McMahon, um, 
you know, through, throughout the history of WWE, no one higher than Kevin Dunn. And I would say there were many years he outranked several McMahons uh, on top of that. Like he was Vince's closest uh, confidant, which I, I would look at it like Bruce Pritchard. Like there was a period Bruce Pritchard was released and, you know, now he's in a very um, powerful position there. But I mean, Kevin Dunn's been the constant throughout all this time. And when you look at people that have been there a long period of time, Vince McMahon has not necessarily been sentimental when it comes to just keeping people along. They serve a purpose and uh, Kevin Dunn has outlasted everyone. I think it's a very big signal that, you know, Kevin Dunn is walking away now and, you know, where, you know, a, a Vince McMahon is now in a, in a company without Kevin Dunn. And I mean, Kevin Dunn, like whether you have just looking at the, um, professional side of things like what he has constructed in terms of like for many people he has subconsciously taught people like what what is considered right and wrong in the way you present professional wrestling and i think that's some sometimes like you look at the production of wwe it is that is a huge asset that the company has had overall like there are certainly the the negatives people attach with it as well you've got to wear the good with the bad but you know we look at when an AEW is launching and a lot of the comparisons, it's like people default to how they have grown up watching wrestling. And for a heavy percentage of people that weren't watching all the different territories or they were just strictly on a WWF upbringing, like that is wrestling to them. And as much as you can look at the creative, it's the whole presentation of it. Like that's Kevin Dunn more than his fingerprints. It's like the Kevin Dunn signature that has accompanied this product for decades. Well, sure. Absolutely. I'm very curious to see if the WWE themselves um, are going to make any sort of significant changes to to their production. And I would argue that over the past year, you've already seen several um, like even today, you know, you, like you've seen Katana Chance and, and Caden Carter have that segment with uh, Chelsea Green and, and, and Piper Niven. Um, not in a backstage setting, but like in in a what what we're supposed to believe as a club. Um, that's that's something that I I think we is very much a um a carryover from NXT and and over the past year I would suggest we've seen a lot of NXT sort of production carried over to uh, the main roster shows, um which you wouldn't have you know for many years when when Vince was in charge and I guess when Kevin Dunn was you know uh, working with Vince. So what continued changes may we see with uh, main roster television? Uh, now that Kevin Dunn is f- formally out of this company. And also like the, the person or people that are assuming these, these positions, like Kevin Dunn was like a high, high, high ranking executive as, as well. And now I wonder how, what Kevin Dunn thought would have thought of the uh, Shinsuke Nakamura subtitled um, videos. Maybe that was, um you know, all these subtitles that were making its way on the television. It's like our fans can't read. I'm out of here. Paul Levesque uh, put out uh he he was getting into the uh, the Russell Nomics territory today with uh, graphics and and stats, uh, commenting on the 2023 records for um, th- this past year, calling it the biggest year in WWE history, the highest grossing ticket sales ever, highest sponsorship revenue, highest merchandise revenue, highest premium live event viewership ever. No no numbers attached to this, but just the highest, and of course uh, a big one, highest social media views ever, and this was accompanied by. Uh, a graphic for the past week's holiday tour, which I mean, that to me was a interesting addition to tonight's show was such a significant focus on this holiday tour that they are coming off of and Mm -hmm. promoting that these live events exist. And they had a lot to pat themselves on the back with. 
And these are all numbers uh, that come from, from WrestleTix. Um, so last week, these are the shows. They did Madison Square Garden, uh, around 15,800. Baltimore, uh, just over 5,800. Detroit, uh, almost 8,500. Boston, 9,600. Houston, 9,600. Uh, Laval, Quebec, just over 9,000. Toronto, uh, 8,800. Las Vegas, 6,500. And then Saturday at the Kia Forum in Inglewood, 13,847 tickets distributed. So they trumpeted four sellouts and eight gates uh, in there. And um, you know they had a fantastic week of live events, two of which featured CM Punk on the shows. But across the board, like the, this was an exceptionally strong week for the company uh, when it came to ticket sales and live event business. And this week, it is all focused on the television and trying to drive some huge numbers. And I'm sure they're going to get a a very big number for Raw tonight, even going against the the Sugar Bowl. Mm. Whether or not it was intentionally planned or maybe more so a spike as a result of, the, of CM Punk's, you know, arrival into the company. I mean, they made this tour, this house show tour feel like exceptionally different or and, and special, um, at least in this highlight video package that they aired tonight. And um, I, I think it's always a, a good thing, you know, when you can try to convey to your audience that you should come to these house shows because they're going to be special. Um, and Paul Levesque taking a victory lap at the end of this year that he's had, I, I think it makes total sense. You know, he, I don't think is one who is shy from patting himself on the back, whether it be in the form of a point point picture, you know, with, with his latest signing that that's won a championship or, or with something like this, he is very much, you know, still in, in the, I, I would say in, in the mode of convincing the public that he is the right person for this job. If he wins best booker this year in the observer awards, does, does it get acknowledged by Paul <laughs> Kind of doubtful for that one. Maybe just point to his, uh, his PD. I don't know if he's out. looking at his cage match ratings. Um, Do we know that Paul is on cage match. I mean, he's, he? uh, Maybe maybe that'll be his his go to. Uh, Conor McGregor has stated that he is fighting Michael Chandler. Um, this fight has been about uh, th- this is the uh, the Swerve Strickland Keith Lee of mixed martial arts. Uh, McGregor states he's fighting Michael Chandler June 29th at 185 pounds, a weight that he has never fought at before uh, for International Fight Week. Ariel Hawani has confirmed that this is the date for International Fight Week, and this is uh, the plan that they are going forward with. This would be. McGregor's first fight since July of 2021 when he shattered his leg in the last fight with Dustin Poirier. So we're talking almost three years to the day of his last fight, and he's going to be fighting at a higher weight class. Uh, Chandler, I mean, the way that he reacted to this was like he was hearing about this weight class news for the first time. So, I mean, this feels very much like they got a deal with McGregor and they just know Chandler is going to sign on to if they, they could do it at heavyweight and he's probably going to sign for this. Uh, UFC has not officially announced this yet, but that looks to be uh, the plan, which would put International Fight Week in June for the first time with this June 29th date mm. in Las Vegas. So that would be UFC 300 in April in Vegas and then coming back with this in Vegas at the end of June. So we're talking about two and a half months apart from those two big events. Um, do, this do, was, do you see much integration on, uh, if any, on WWE television? I do for all of the, like, mm. I think WrestleMania and UFC 300 being on back-to-back weekends, I expect that. And I would think for something like McGregor and Chandler, um, I could certainly see that, that kind of integration as well. Like these, like reserving this, like it's been very like total church and state between WWE and UFC. Um, mm-hmm. I have to imagine they're going to hold off and 
and do a big promotion when when the time is right. April would seem advantageous for both sides to be um, alienating each each side's fan base so that people are just absolutely appalled at this yes. this bullshit uh, UFC or this bullshit WWE being on my television screen. Uh, this was like the this is going to go down as my nominee for best media interview of 2024. Keiji Muto. Now, just Keiji Muto doing an interview alone, I know I'm going to get some entertainment. Reading through these answers, the fact that it was on the New Japan Pro Wrestling website, I mean, it was just amazing. I can't even recap this properly, so I'm just going to recite some of these answers. So they interviewed Muto to talk about like his protege, Sonata, taking on the man who he faced in his retirement last year, Tetsuya Naito, who credited Muto as like his inspiration. So it's like Muto has these ties to Sonata and Naito. You might have remembered that Muto was on uh, the Wrestle Kingdom show last year where the match ended and he just got the hell out of there. And Sonata was part of this match. And when this was brought up to Muto, he totally forgot that Sonata was in this match. And, uh, oh, you know, a year goes by fast. Was Sonata in that match? Yes, he was. But uh, anyway, um, he states in, in regards to Tetsuya Naito, he said, there's a reason why I picked him as my last opponent. His charisma is second to none. He's a big draw. And we had history. And the interviewer goes, Naito has long said you inspired him to become a pro wrestler. So Muto says, so I went with Naito. Maybe Sonata wouldn't have drawn the house. <laughs> oh, man. So then uh, on Sonata's changes over the past year, Muto says, I think the sex appeal is definitely there with him. And when I saw him wrestle recently, he's a lot more animated in the ring, which leans into his natural athleticism. He always liked classical wrestling, and he hasn't let that go either. I wouldn't say he's completely changed, but he's gradually built those pieces to become more of a complete wrestler. And the interviewer says, you'd say he's growing in your estimation. But when it comes to crowd connection, Naito is the better man in my view. Do you have any advice for Sonata at this point in his career? Not really. The thing with him is he isn't the quickest witted and he isn't a great talker. Naito's definitely one there. He's a great talker, but Sonata's always struggled. But then again, wrestling isn't just about talking. So Muto then asks, how old is he? 35 Muto. Some of the best do bloom late. How fast you get there isn't important though. If anything, Japanese fans like to see you go through struggle to get to the top. That experience is a benefit to him. And the interviewer notes, you know, he did fail in his new Japan tryout in 2005. Here we are 18 years later and Muto's going back to his age. Hmm. When I was 35, the whole business revolved around me. (laughs) So who do you think will win January 4th? Hmm. I don't have enough of an inside track. I don't know who's in the better shape, who might be hurt. I will say this, though, even if it gets me heat, Sonata was at a certain end-of-year party I was at the other day, and he was dead drunk. I know you're a big drinker, but did you lay off before a big Tokyo Dome show? Nah, I was past that point. I'll be honest. I've had some of my best matches hungover. Maybe not at the Dome, though. I'm sure these guys are different. This was just the most amazing piece of promotion for this main event that basically was Mudo. Like, whether he was joking or not, I mean, my God, did this just confirm everybody's own uh, look at Sonata here as just this, like, very uninspired champion. And here's your mentor just, like, totally making fun of him. Naito's the the better product. It's like, this dude's 35, and it's like, where where has this guy's career gone at this point at, at 35? This was just an amazing interview to read. Oh, maybe it's the hangover that's going to be the difference maker. You know, that'll change how we all see him in the main okay. event. So that's that, that's the last minute push. You've for never a seen hungover Sonata. 
No, no, we have not. Maybe that's what we can tune into on Thursday. I just wanted to quickly mention that uh, Noah, or sorry, All Japan had their their triple crown match the other night with uh, Ketsuhiko Nakajima and Kento Miyahara. It was in front of uh, 2,700 people. And uh, this this was kind of your your last great match of 2023 uh, sneaking in on New Year's Eve. And this was just an excellent match. The um, You had uh, Nakajima coming out with uh, Hasashi Shinma and he defended the triple crown. The match went almost 26 minutes. And I mean, some of the kicks here from Nakajima, they were incredible. And this audience, my God, was Kento Miyahara just the most over baby face. They, no matter how much damage he was taken, there's just Kento chants ringing throughout the arena. And down the stretch, Nakajima hits a northern lights bomb and then goes for a Fujiwara armbar. And he's torquing it with his knee going down on Kento's head. And he had been working on the arm. And the crowd is still chanting for him with this arm, arm bar applied. And Kento submits at 25.52. And then they did like the John McCarthy, like we just watched on The Ultimate Fighter, dives in to take Nakajima off of the arm bar. It was just in, an incredible finish, a really fantastic match. And this sets up Nakajima and Charlie Dempsey on Wednesday. So, I mean, this that's going to be something uh, to watch. With. But, I mean, the key is Nakajima winning and presumably sticking around with, with All Japan. This was not just, you know, come in, win the Triple Crown, lose it, and and head out. It seems like he is uh, sticking around. And as I, I, don't, I don't assume Charlie Dempsey is winning the Triple Crown, but, I mean, who knows? Well, Imagine the Triple Crown on NXT television. Bring another imagine? Triple Crown to North America. Why not? That's it. Probably not happening. The the quad crown with uh, he can go after Ilya Dragunov and he just Hmm. keep keep adding uh, jewels to the crown. And then uh, the last thing uh, Tuesday night is New Year's Evil with NXT with Ilya Dragunov against Trick Williams for the NXT title. Lyra Valkyria takes on Blair Davenport for the women's title. Riley Osborne and Oba Femi in the breakout tournament final. Ariana Grace taking on Roxanne Perez. And then the no-quarter catch crew of Drew Gulak, Damon Kemp, and Miles Bourne against Dragon Lee, Joaquin Wilde, and Cruz Del Toro. Fallon Henley takes on Tiffany Stratton. Dynamite, we've just got the one match with Orange Cassidy and Dante Martin. And then the other significant show that's going on tonight at 1 a.m. Eastern on Wrestle Universe. It is Noah the New Year at Ariaki Arena with Naomichi Marafuji against Kota Ibushi in the main event. Uh, Keno defends the GHC title against Manabu Soya. And uh, Zack Sabre Jr., Yoshinori Ogawa taking on Tanahashi and Hayata. And some of the other notable matches on the card, you've got a bunch of uh, New Japan involvement here. Satoshi Kojima against Goshi Ozaki. Tomohiro Ishii against Masa Kitamiya. And uh, not New Japan related, but Takashi Sugiura takes on former UFC fighter uh, Yuka Sasaki, who fought in the UFC till about 2018. Even fought uh, the current flyweight champion, Alessandra Pantoja at one point and he's been fighting for Ryzen the last few years he made his uh, Noah debut uh, back in November so a pretty big match with him on this card as well so that's uh that's Noah's first big card of 2024 on Russell Universe and I know what everyone is uh thinking man John you just read quite a lot there that was my Excalibur rundown of matches so as I take a sip of water we're going to take a very quick timeout It is 2024, and tracking technology from advertisers, ISPs, and hackers is getting more sophisticated than many of us can understand. Something you can do to give yourself a bit more peace of mind this year is to protect your browsing by investing in a trusted VPN like NordVPN. 
voted best VPN for privacy of 2023 by security.org. Nord is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. NordVPN is also something I use every day to access geo-blocked online streaming services like AEW+. By far the best way of watching AEW programming commercial-free with on-demand access to AEW's entire TV archive. But perhaps the most value I've gained from using Nord has been the ability to unlock cheaper prices to online content from other parts of the world. Plus, when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, you get four bonus months on top of all two-year plans. That works out to $2.88 a month, so it's already paid for itself several times over. Again, $2.88 a month when you sign up at nordvpn.com slash postwrestling. Check the link in the show description. Sign up with code postwrestling, get yourself some bonus months, and let NordVPN know you found them through us. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. And thank you to all the great partners of Post Wrestling, including NordVPN. Are you ready for day one? Ready. Let's go. Okay. This is going to bleed into day two, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm prepared for that, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. We don't do a countdown for day two, but... Tonight, they were at the Pachanga Arena in San Diego, California. Over 11,000 tickets out per WrestleTix. Big night for Raw. And we got Michael Cole and Wade Barrett inside of the ring previewing the show for us. And we're starting off with Becky Lynch and Nia Jax. They aired a preview video highlighting the broken nose from 2018 and a really heated crowd for this opening match. Nia took control early and missed a leg drop. So Becky follows with a diamond dust and then a missile drop kick setting up the commercial break. We come back right as Becky is hitting the Molly go round and Nia misses the leg drop on the edge and she starts screaming out. But I don't think there was any reference to her hole on this miss. I, I felt like there it, it might have been coming, um, but nothing. No. Yeah, maybe she realized, oh, wait, I'm, I'm doing a serious run here in my return. <laughs> and so she then does a. The most uh, overdone spot in in WWE. It's the punch that misses, and she punches the post, and then misses a cannonball. Can't hit anything on Becky. So then it's a disarmer that is applied. Nia rolls her up. Becky transitions to the straight arm bar, but is power bombed, leading to a near fall by Nia. And then Nia stopped on the turnbuckle, and Becky tries for the manhandle slam off the turnbuckle, but it is turned into a Samoan drop, which generated a huge response when Becky kicked out of this very believable finish. And then Nia climbs up for the Annihilator, and Becky shoves Nia over the top rope. And as Nia is flipping over, her heel kicks Becky right in the face. And this is where she gets busted open from. And then Becky comes off the turnbuckle into the power of the punch, and she is decked. They make the callback to the broken nose and the the punch that puts out Becky. And Nia wins with the Annihilator in 11 minutes and 52 seconds. And they did a uh, close-up of Becky's mouth. It's not like they shied away. There was a lot of blood coming out of her mouth from this. I actually didn't notice the heel contact that you were mentioning there. Um, I went back to, to watch it because all of a sudden you saw all this blood. 
And it was very evident before the punch, which would you would think they would have like uh, focused in on that, but it was so clear it was there beforehand. And when she goes over, you can see her, the back of her heel. It just nails Becky in the face coming down. Okay. Well, I just I just assumed they were uh, working us and and just trying to call back to the you know initial blood incident or, or the broken nose incident. You can see all the blood but... before she dives off the turnbuckle because right, okay. i would have thought the same had we not seen it till after the punch but th- it was there i mean and she- if it was unintentional then like uh it's it sucks but it's also great because it's it's sort of the perfect thing you can have for a story like this um i thought this match was it turned out really well to me i it started off with your usual naya clumsiness and in ring you're never going to maybe expect a technical masterpiece but in terms of story they continued building throughout the match you got some very good power spots from naya good building to near falls from naya as well top rope samoan drop i thought um was elicited a bit very big reaction crowd responded well to it and the finish was well done here um so a good way to follow up with that nose break story and it was the right decision to build to a bigger moment of um catharsis for becky i thought becky was excellent in this match they had a great crowd and i would say by naya jack singles matches i i would rank this one pretty damn high Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was a really like fun opening match to start things. And it was like the, the booking that you and I had suggested would like, it wouldn't make sense. The timing is not right for Becky to beat Nia now. Like everything about this run for Nia is who can finally beat her. And it should be Becky, but it shouldn't be three months before WrestleMania. This should be on the way to WrestleMania for Becky, I think. And now you've got like this, this albatross over her that, you know, as far as you've come in these last five years, you still can't beat uh, or Nia Jax has still got something over you. Like here was your first meeting. You lost to her. And now that's something for her to overcome. It's it's honestly one of Becky's most intriguing storylines over the past year. And to just throw that away after one match, I think would be would be, you know, a waste for for Becky's hard work in building this up. And also for I think the pretty good job they've done in building up Nia Jax into this role. They reminded us of the American Nightmare Before Christmas, a, a divisive reaction that Way and I had to this segment a few weeks ago. Cody comes out, and in reference to the American Nightmare Before Christmas, he tells Nakamura, I expected something more sophisticated. It's like, mm-hmm. oh boy, right, right in the uh, well, really hurtful. Well, if you he like, is- that's all that matters. He says he is not bothered by what Shinsuke says about his family. That comes with the territory or the mist in my face, which he continued to refer to as poison mist, which I would think that that would be a problem. If you sprayed me with poison mist, I wouldn't just be brushing that aside. Well, he's got bigger problems to worry about, especially after tonight. Well, he offers to let Nakamura finish it tonight and Nakamura's on the screen. He never thought it'd be so easy to get into Cody's head to become the author of your final chapter. I have whispered the plot in your ear, pushed your character to the brink page by page. I have blinded you so you cannot see the ending, but your story doesn't end tonight. I want to give the American Nightmare one more week to dream, and I will finish your story and close your book. And and then he just spits blood on the lens of the camera. Ew, gross. Well, it's not yeah, blood. You, you know this it, camera operator, unless this was like on a, on a tripod. I mean, this this poor operator took all this stuff in the face, too. I mean, I, I think they had a piece of glass, um, just a big like window, um, but it's not blood. It's poison mist. That's right. So what know. happened to this poor man? Is he dead? Um, 
I don't know. Hopefully. Cody has recovered m- remarkably well from multiple poison mists. Well, listen, po- um, um, I'm I'm sure they make very sophisticated uh, vaccines uh, within the WWE universe. Um, he might he might be vaccinated. Should, shouldn't he have some kind of a, a a lingering issue from this poison mist? Hmm. Um, I guess eye patches are uh, domain of one company at the moment. Right. Yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't. Maybe. Maybe. Um. You know, he's got a skin condition that he has to cover up as a result. We we don't know what he's dealing with off screen. Well. He does have some weird thing on the side of his neck, but that mm-hmm. is a pre-existing issue. Hmm. Hmm. They announced that next week CM Punk will be on the show in Portland. And that takes us to Kofi Kingston, Jay Uso against Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. And they mentioned that if Kofi Kingston gets into the Royal Rumble this year, it'll be a 16th Royal Rumble in second place behind Kane with 18. So he's got he's got to do three more of these to get to Kane. I think he'll get there. Unless Maybe. unless Kane Kane could do more too, I'm no, sure he can pop back. No, we we don't need more of Kane in these. No, we don't. Vinci trips Kingston from the floor, so Kaiser then runs his shoulder into the post. Go to the commercial break, and Michael Cole is promoting that a former champion will be here tonight. And then all of a sudden, the bell rings abruptly, and there's a doctor dealing with Vinci. Kingston and Jay look totally confused here, and they're declared the winners in 626. And we get the replay of Vinci executing a reverse cross out of the corner and is met in midair with a drop kick by Kofi Kingston that looked to have rung his bell. Uh, but before the end of the show, Vinci did uh, go online stating that that he was okay. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, way. And here was a, a, a case of you know being on live television. There was a concern, and it was not. Okay, just have Kaiser finish the match. It was like, listen, we have a problem. Match is over. No issue. Uh, no it, issue. It what standard crowd didn't get upset. It's like this. If anything, they were concerned. They were all like applauding Vinci that hopefully he's okay. Like this is it's 2024 and they handled it perfectly. I felt, you know, there there were moments. There was a moment where like um because um, it felt it felt so abrupt because we didn't even see the the doctor in there until we heard the bell, you know. And so, as always in wrestling, there there's, there are going to be attempts to be made to hide what you're not supposed to see as much as you can until um you know they decide that it's it's not. But you learn from something like this that the doctor has final say when it comes to something like this, you know. And this is a match that all really didn't matter a whole lot. Yes, it created some moments of awkwardness on live television, but who cares? You know, that's that's real life. Like that's if we're trying to present a, a real sport here, you know, this happens in real sport. It's going to be awkward and we all end up living with it and we're all OK with it. It's more realistic, you can argue, as a result. So, yeah. They promoted the uh, the holiday tour with a highlight video. And next is Ms. TV. Whereas guests are supposed to be the judgment day, but our truth is the one that comes out and explains that he thought they were all behind him, but it's only him and is asked, are you seeing invisible people again? So he asks if little Jimmy is here, Dominic and JD come out telling truth to stop with this nonsense and truth notes how Dominic is getting booed in his own hometown. And the fact that JD did lose to our truth and the stipulation was you leave the judgment day. So you're technically out of the judgment day. And uh, Ms putting his uh his uh crowd inflation to work here uh exaggerate he added 9000 people to this crowd saying there's there's 20000 people booing you dominic and miz notes that i'm more relevant than ever brings up the fact that cm punk beat you up on the holiday tour and dominic starts screaming and challenges them to a tag match and truth is confused 
because he's supposed to be teaming with the Judgment Day, but he agrees to team with a uh, with Miz as a strange bedfellows partner. Hmm. Um. I get the sense this might be a bit more of a divisive sort of like segment for people that might be listening to this. I loved it. I thought it, I thought truth was great in this. I thought Dominic was great in this. I think they found such a great role for truth. He was, his was a comeback that I was certainly not expecting in 2023. I think they've utilized him so well in judgment day and it's not only elevated his status to me, it's made the judgment day, especially, you know, um, maybe your sort of non main members in, in Dom and JD more fun, more interesting to watch. Um, I felt like this was a great segment and, and a great time to reunite the awesome truth with the Miz on a pretty hot streak as well. Well, it set up the tag match and, We've got the Miz now with his Ranas and Truth is in control. I I honestly found Truth to be more entertaining in this match where, I mean, he's just doing all these little things like he's reaching to tag Dominic and they're getting so frustrated. And then Dominic gets in. He hits a 619 onto Truth for the break. And then it's Miz getting the hot tag. Truth and Dom are on the apron and they start arguing. JD then headbutts Miz. Truth tags JD. So he's confused by the opponent tagging him here. So he holds up Miz for Truth to strike, and then Miz ducks, so Truth nails JD, sends him into the skull-crushing finale, and Miz pins JD in 7 minutes and 27 seconds. He, he made sure to do a, an I'm sorry, I love you before delivering the strike as well. Um, I thought this was hilarious. Like, this was great mid-card comedy. You know, it's not involving a championship. It's not involving even a main eventer. It's involving Dominic Mysterio and JD McDonough, you know, who are, I think, perfect for these sort of roles. Uh, and, and again, you know, with The Miz being on a pretty hot run as a babyface right now and Truth doing so well, this is a really perfect time to uh, uh, continue with them. I, and and how much further can they really kind of drag this, you know, our truth thinks he's still in, in Judgment Day and JD isn't story. Um, I look forward to seeing it because I'm not sick of it yet. It's not like these two guys are going to be headlining a pay-per-view with, with, with The Rock. Um, Which did happen. Not now. Yeah. Then we're going to the club way for a vignette with Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Um, the most unrealistic club I have ever seen in my life where these two are just casually clubbing with their tag titles. <laughs> Full view. You never showing up to a club with your championship belt? No, no. Um, these two would have to be like 10 drinks deep to be busting out their belts and dancing with them. So then Chelsea Green and Piper Niven crash the party and tell them not to get comfortable with their titles. They are bypassing Adam Pierce to get a rematch through Nick Aldis. And they will and Chance and Carter say, Great, we'll be fighting champions. And then they throw their drinks onto Chelsea Green. And the weird part was they're gonna get their rematch through Nick Aldis, but this match is happening on Raw next week. Uh, yeah, that part was, was kind of, um, well, it, it was, it was kind of strange. Cause like, um, Chelsea said that he was going to buy, they were going to bypass, um, Pierce to get to Aldis. And then Chance and Carter basically said, we're going to talk to Pierce. So I, I, um, oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. happening next Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I like the idea, like the fact that they're, you know, getting out of the backstage area to, to shoot something like this. Um, just makes it feel a bit different. Rhea Ripley, Ivy Nile women's championship. The crowd is the crowd got into Ivy Nile at the, at the beginning here. And I mean, the announcers like explain this almost like within the story, but it did kind of 
like double as like what was actually happening here where it was like a little tough at first for for ivy but once once the match got going i thought she really found herself here as like the baby face role here and you know it, it started off kind of like awkward but then you start to get nile with a, a german suplex on the floor and then she hits a tilt world head scissors she fires up and then there's a headbutt out of the corner by Rhea, who hits a missile drop kick. The Riptide gets countered as Nile lands a head kick. And then Nile stops a superplex. Rhea blocks the sunset bomb and then bounces her head on the buckle. German suplexes Rhea off the turnbuckle for her one big near fall. And then it's Ivy going for the high cross and is headbutted in midair. That sets up the Riptide and Rhea wins in 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. I thought the match over delivered on expectations. I thought Nile looked very good for somebody having their first main roster singles match. Um, I feel like she like looked pretty good in there. So gave us some big spots, top rope German here, our second row German, I should say. And then that finish with a headbutt high cross counter. I, I thought Nile looked good. Between uh, the, they brought up on commentary, the fact this is Ivy Nile's first singles match on raw and the last segment like getting title shots in the, in this company, it's like it's not like you have to move heaven and earth. It's like you yeah. either just say, "Hey, I want to face you," or you just show up at a club and just <laughs> don't bother with these tournaments. Don't bother with like these battle royals. I mean, these title shots are there for the taking. You just have to, you know, show so- some level of uh, of desire. And you got well, it. unless you're Roman, um, yeah, they they seem to be kind of easy to come by. So Drew McIntyre really doesn't have much to complain about he's got plenty left in in the tank samantha Irvin then announces the former champion has arrived and everyone's waiting they're showing the crowd and out comes kinder mahal and cole is selling this as this big letdown and there's silence as he comes out and then it turns to booze he notes that of the 50 wwe champions he is at the top of that list he, he's at the top of a list uh, among past champions. And then he runs down the U.S. calling it disgusting. You're the United States, but you've never been more divided in your politics, your news, your social media. This country is now a joke, but I will unite you. And he then recites in Punjabi the U.S. national anthem. Now, the idea here was that he was going to speak in Punjabi. And this whole arena was going to boo him. But this crowd did not boo them. Because this is not 1985, where I think people would feel comfortable doing that. So he then informs them that that was the U.S. National Anthem that you just booed. Like, he got one over on you. Gotcha. And unlike the Iron Sheik and others who exposed America, I speak intelligently. I speak the truth. And then he goes to speak in Punjabi again when the rocks music hits and uh, he comes out and uh, thankfully no one is going to remember the preceding five minutes uh, that led to this. I thought he did pretty well, to be honest, John. Like, I mean, for a guy who really hasn't had this sort of spotlight in years at this point, I, I thought he, he played as, you know, um, uh, maybe eighties, you know, he, he, heel shtick, like, perfectly fine there's no reaction to it like there was it to me felt as though it was like they felt like this was a crowd out of another era that was just going to boo him speaking a foreign language like that's 
That's not I, your modern audience. That that setup certainly fell flat, but I don't think it ruined the segment in any way. Like if anything, it helped the segment because it made him look so lame because his gotcha didn't really work. Um, but like th- he needed to come out here to be a letdown for the tease and then to be a punching bag for the rock. And I thought he did a great job at that. So the rock comes out gigantic reaction and he comes down. I think that um, this, this entrance alone was like five minutes and rock loved the iron Sheik, So he does his own Sheik impression, calls him a jabroni bastard and Mahal calls the fans jingoistic. And Rock should be ashamed of representing these people. But Rock says he is proud to. And he's proud to be an American. And says, they don't boo you because of how you look or how you speak. They boo you because you're an asshole. And brings up, there's resting bitch face. You have resting asshole face. And uh, and bear with me because I was trying to uh, watch through the, uh, the, the censoring that at least we got in Canada, if not outright, mm-hmm. uh, for this. He said, you're angry all the time. No one likes you and you're not funny. If you were one of my movies, it would be Baywatch, which was very good. And Jinder, who it just felt like was totally off the cuff, just responds. I never saw Baywatch and Rock is so quick. Yeah, nobody did. And then just runs down Jinder. There's a big USA chant and says, you can come out here and run down this country free of consequence because of freedom of speech. Yeah, yeah. Try try that one, Rock, on on some of the uh, select premium live events uh overseas Mm, can't can't do that in in every place but he says you are not the modern day maharaja but you are the day one douchebag and we get rock getting the arena to go back and forth with day one douchebag and then rock starts singing the national anthem but uh changing the lyric this to me would be uh an affront on on many uh patriots I i would think is uh mocking the, the anthem to make fun of Jinder's <laughs> testicles. And then Rock just, uh, Jinder attacks him. Rock fires back. Spinebuster, people's elbow. He was so into this, his belt came off. And then he whips Jinder with it. Wishes everyone a happy new year. And then says, I'm hungry. And asks the fans, where should I go to eat? Okay, this better have a payoff to it. <laughs> should I go sit at a booth? This crowd was just like, what is the line? Should I go sit at a bar or should I sit at the head of the table? And dude, Michael Cole had an aneurysm at the, oh my. And mm. so concluded a 22 minute segment with, uh, from Jinder's entrance to Rock's uh, go home line and the four words that everyone will focus on. And I think um, obviously set, sets the table, pardon the pun sets the table but which table i i where, don't think this is happening is at table? elimination chamber that would be my thought well that 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 is at least part of the speculation you know for for some people is is to um wonder what this means for the cody Rhodes match and whether or not it's possible that you might get the rock and roman reigns in perth instead but you're suggesting there's what are the chances of that none to you I don't see them putting that match on in, in, in Perth. I mean, that, that was part, if you, if you remember, um, that was like recently noted the fact that the government of Perth, they had actually put in that request of the rock rock appear at elimination chamber. Like that was one of their things that they did, uh, actually request. Um, so you're getting this match. And the question would be, where are you going to maximize this match? And, um, 
So it's not just so so maximizing it obviously would be a stage like WrestleMania. And yes, keep in mind you do have two nights. They also have a lot of plans already set up for for those two nights. Um you have a, an embarrassment of riches right now with people that you could, you know, justifiably put into so, several of these spots. And mm, Cody versus Roman by account of I guess, you know, um looking at online reaction, um a lot of online audiences want to see cody and the rock they want to see the story finish and they don't want to see the Co- rock. cody and cody and roman yeah. Sorry, cody and roman cody they probably want to see cody and the rock too but after but they want to see the story finish you know that's really been every everything that's been uh you're, you've been gearing towards that um at the same time how often is the rock going to be free and in good enough shape that he can come out here and challenge roman reigns for his championship I, i'd argue this champion. is the last year i would think like, exactly you can't predict any year um but if the lane is free, this is the year to do it. But in other ways, it's at a time when, like, certainly there are years that, I mean, this company would be on their hands and knees begging for a rock match. This is going to be a super, super successful WrestleMania with or without the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue of all the matches, yeah, for that night, Roman and rock is probably the biggest match that they have of all of their matches at their disposal. But, um, this is also the, the the case of like look at look at like ninety eight when you had Austin and, and Michaels and if they had had access to a Hulk Hogan for one night yeah that that would have been big to have Hogan and Michaels or Hogan and Austin what whatever have you but I mean that was so key that it was like that was a year about we have our hot star who is going to go over. And then we're moving forward because he's there the next night and he's going to be there the next month. And he's going to be the one that is, that is running, running this whole thing. I mean, they have um, like WrestleMania is going to be a big, big success, but the idea of having the rock is like, that's obviously the one that they would look at is like, who is going to move tickets, but it's, but if there's there's no wrong choice here, but like, this is not the year that you just to have to have the rock, but it's, it's now or never, I would argue. There's no wrong choice, um, but if, but you can choose to be greedy here. You can have everything, okay? And again, they have several shows. They have two nights of WrestleMania. How do you play these pieces so that you can get the value out of everything? You can have CM Punk and Rollins. You can have The Rock versus Roman. You can have Cody versus Roman. Uh, you know, uh, and that's why I, I don't know if I completely rule out the idea of this happening in Perth or if they choose to do this, maybe having this being a night night one thing and still doing Cody versus Roman. I mean, it sends, I think, a pretty bad message if you're going to delay Roman and Cody one more time, right? Like to, for, for this new regime that's supposed to perhaps, you know, have a b- bit more of an eye on the future, you, you would think. But again, I... I don't think there's a bad decision in, in any of this. Like if by the end of this, you told me that I would have to wait another year for Cody versus Roman... I wouldn't be that upset because I think they do a fine job of, of maybe delaying it, but a lot of people probably would be. Yeah. So that's um, yeah, that, that was the, the keys thing coming out of uh, raw and yeah, the, the different directions that they go. I think it's, I think it's great for the audience because you have mm-hmm. all these different scenarios that you can go to and yeah, you're, you're right. Shows to play with. I mean, you know, they're getting paid money for that February show. So maybe we shouldn't be as dismissive about that. It just seems as though you have a rock, you are going to use it for like that. That is a show that 
the money's guaranteed. The show is, you can't move anymore. Like all you have to benefit at that point is uh, appeasing a, a, a government party that has already paid for the show and Peacock, Peacock subscriptions, which I'm sure Peacock, uh, Peacock would want him at WrestleMania as well, as opposed to. Yeah. Can't you say the same thing about WrestleMania? You know, well, that's it. I mean, really what you're coming down to is just like, it's you you're banking that mania is going to be your most watched shows of the year. You put a rock on a February show. That's going to be an enormous show too. But I think for all parties involved, just you have a rock. He's doing mania night too. Let's let's see how the how this uh, goes. It, it's certainly interesting. Um, and I, I mean, I think my my thoughts of expecting it were maybe under fifty percent at this point. You know that the Rock would be active and available for WrestleMania. So this is very exciting. You know the the roster that they have at their disposal heading into this year's WrestleMania. It's going to be insane. Um, I thought for the segment itself, I, I, I the the Rock was fantastic. You know, it's amazing how he can appear so infrequently yet still feel very very close to where he was at the top of his game, uh, even at when he was an active wrestler on the microphone every single week. It, it didn't really feel all, all that different. His command of the crowd, his confidence, and his perfect delivery on live television is still very much unmatched. Um, by anybody on this roster, so certainly made a good case for taking that main spot um at the very top if you weren't convinced so mark kerr Uh, mark kerr is well he maybe he could join the ufc after this well you know what maybe maybe he can resurrect pride i mean maybe that that can be the brand extension that ufc has been coveting sure yeah any uh uh, any ufl crossover you think um all all, all possibilities at this point i mean that's going to be the other argument now that like the like this is you know where we're moving towards this it's like here's the guy he's like he's 51 he's got to do a major match and that's going to come with the obvious risks of like this guy who you know suffered a big injury and that and we're talking over a decade ago uh when he did his last real match um the the second one with with cena and you know injured himself significantly and had to push back like filming of a movie it's like you do a match with roman you're not um you know, I'm you can't just go out there and just do do simple stuff like it's I know. Yeah. but at the same time, it might be now or never at all. Right. Again, you're 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 talking about his cousin who's on this like monumental title reign that we might be seeing end this year. You're talking about Dwayne Johnson, who's still in good enough physical shape that he might be able to squeeze one of these in. This might be the very last chance. And as a result, even if it's not night two, they might choose to do it at some point. And. Um, you know, the, the last point on this is the the number of like dates that you have with The Rock, just the fact that he is in for Mania season. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this everything like CM Punk, Rock involvement, all of this pertains to the Raw rights. Yep. Like I would have like, I'm sure he's not going to be a weekly fixture, but just the fact that, you know, this is going to generate this much more buzz for WWE at a time that they're already operating on such a high level. And you're just throwing in punk and rock and Cody's hot and you've got Seth and you've got all this intrigue in WWE. And a lot of it is focused on raw and should be on raw. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're just throwing everything uh, in, in terms of just lighting up the interest level for, for these raw rights and, you know, having, having a rock and a punk in your pipeline. Um, it's, it's a huge timing, you know, it, this is, a big, big uh, 
achievement for the company to have all of this uh, at once. Then they, so again, this went 22 minutes. I'm going to make a, a decent prediction that this was probably not earmarked for 22 minutes uh, because then we go to Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark against Tegan Knox and Natalia, who had to uh, race through a uh, five and a half minutes with a three minute commercial in the midst of this. And Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell are watching in the back. We go back and uh, Tegan with the second Molly go round of the night hits Baszler. Baszler then lands a kick. There is no heat for this match as they're coming off the previous segment. Stark super kicks Natalia. And then there's a German to Knox by Baszler followed by the Z360 and Zoe Pinzer 536. Natalia is looking frustrated on the floor as uh, Tegan drops the fall. And the only issue was Shayna and and uh, Zoe did not go to a club on Saturday night. They instead bothered with a wrestling match, and they're not getting the title shot next week. But Cole said maybe down the line they'll get a title shot. So that's nice. Well, I, um, I don't know if there's um, really clubbers, I, I suppose. You know, they, they might be more uh, bar people. She's perhaps. more of a spades. Uh, thank you very much. Very, very well. This was probably going to be the toughest spot for anybody on this roster to follow the rock. <laughs> after what, 20... what, what is Brandon's uh, quarter hour chart going to look like? Um, uh, I don't know. It depends how, 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 how attractive the rest of the show is to people, but yeah, probably, probably a bit of a drop off here. Crowd was dead for it. Um, really impossible spot for these four to be placed in. So it's still a very cold tag team division for the women right now. They plugged everything that they have coming up this week, including like what they call it, five must-see shows, uh, which include The Bump. And then uh, this preview special on Thursday night that they are plugging around. Paul Levesque has a major announcement, uh, an appearance by CM Punk, Rhea Ripley, Bel Air, Ilya Dragunov, and Montez Ford. So that's Thursday on Peacock, uh, 8 Eastern. And um, what is it? What's the major announcement? Um, Tickets go on sale. No, the we're, they're announcing the pre-sale for oh, the pre-sale. Uh, pre-sale date for yeah. SummerSlam. Yeah, um, I don't know. What could it be? You know, uh, the special edition of Raw, maybe. Um, I, uh, I put out your best guest chat room. Let's hear. You it. know what? It's it's the time of the year. Um, maybe that maybe they're going to announce the the first Hall of Fame inductee because they're going to be oh okay starting to get into that. I mean, it is kind of different now where Hall of Fame is not its own event that they put tickets on sales for. It's it's mm-hmm. piggybacking with SmackDown, but it is the time of the year they usually announce the the first person going in. I mean, that's that's just one idea. We had a recap. This, this was hilarious. So we have a recap of Drew taking out Sami Zayn a few weeks ago on Raw, and Wade says, and Sami Zayn is out indefinitely. And then Michael Cole's like, well, he was actually back at the holiday tour last week, uh, but he's hurt again because he got 15 staples in his head. I was like, holy Christ, what? I didn't go to this house show on Friday. Um, what in God's name did he do at a house show that led to 15 staples in his head? Oh, goodness. Um, Jesus Christ. Don't know, man. Oh, man. Bad, bad luck for this dude, right? I, I suppose, like, you you ask, you Can know... you imagine this guy up? sitting down and watching that CM Punk-Dominic match from Madison Square Garden and being like, what, what, <laughs> yeah. what did I do? Like, to, yeah. I did the same thing. I was working a similar formatted show, and I got 15 staples. I, I didn't see the spot. I haven't seen the footage of, of what exactly happened, but it's um, it's a shame. It's almost like they... You know, it is convenient, I suppose, for the story. He's supposed to be out anyway, but they just probably like they this. They gave the knee injury that they shot on Raw. Like, and they didn't even like attribute these staples. 
they didn't even attribute these staples to Drew, you know? Um, but I guess this looks so cool, John. 15 they staples. Help themselves? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. You, you got to go to it where it's like they would never shine a light on, like, if Sami Zayn was doing an injury angle and did a house show, like, they just never would have mentioned this. This was such a different uh philosophy well you got to go to house shows because you might see a guy you know uh get a cut that requires 15 staples yeah. ah, go go to uh, go pick up your tickets now yeah seth rollins drew mcintyre for the world heavyweight championship so they got like 18 minutes uh but this was with a uh, multiple commercial breaks in there and rollins hits a dive to the floor hits a frog splash and then goes for a cabrata landing on his feet he's selling the back but then scales up for the superplex but drew turns to the falcon arrow after the second break it's drew hitting a white noise off the second turnbuckle and then drew sidesteps the stomp hits the future shock and goes for the claymore but is caught with a sit-out powerbomb for a two count rollins misses on the phoenix splash then ducks a claymore and hits a super kick and pedigree with drew kicking out and on that note, Damian Priest comes out with Dominic, has the briefcase, and as he gets down to ringside, he nails Rollins with the briefcase and tries to go cash in, but Drew stops him with a Claymore and belly-to-belly's Dominic on the floor, rolls into the ring, and Rollins is still selling the briefcase shot, and he's nailed with the Claymore, and Drew hooks the leg, but covers him in such a way that the leg is extended over top and is touching the rope, and Drew can't get the three count. Now, why this man just didn't pull him into the center and pin him? Instead, he was like, no, if his foot is touching the rope, I must end him in a more decisive way. So he goes to clear the announcer's desk, and then Rollins comes to life on the desk, turns it into a pedigree, rolls in Drew, hits the stomp, and wins in 1805 to retain the title. Mm-hmm. Um, Very good match. I thought, I guess, yeah, like you did, you you pointed out some logic gaps there. Um, I, I suppose in my head, the Claymore, okay, Seth Rollins is such a fierce champion, such a great competitor, John. A move like the Claymore has to be executed, and you have to immediately get the pin. If you wait any second, or if you let the man recover three, four seconds through due to a, a, a kick or, or, or a, a foot on the rope, well, the effectiveness of the move is is already gone. You know, it's, does he it's, know that he didn't even try? Well, I'm sure he's wrestled this man before. You know, okay, he he knows the the strength of this like move. the positioning issue. Like you hooked his leg too far. Just he's still out. He's been hit with your move and a briefcase. Okay, so you're right. Maybe maybe a drag into the center of the ring and then having a kick up from Rollins would have made that spot a bit more realistic before going to the. Then he's going life. He's not been kept down like this. Yes. He was like, it's not like he physically saved himself here but i i don't want to take away from like the the moment that they constructed to build to that near fall because i thought it was really well done oh okay. i think i think a lot of people bought on on the near fall at this point like yeah. when, when he hit the claymore that okay they're gonna they're going to flip the title i thought it was good use of the money in the bank it, just prop you know to, to basically kind of tell you okay this thing's happening this thing's happening and then um instead it's drew taking both of them out so that he could get that near fall i thought everything was just kind of like building to such a rush that resulted in a wonderful sort of like um foot on the rope you know sort of um fake out moment that i i, I think poetically works really well because 
it's Drew who again screwed himself. The whole story is Rollins telling Drew, you blame everybody but yourself. And this was directly Drew costing himself the championship. And and saving Seth's title from the cash in. Um yeah, uh, that's that wasn't his intent, but yeah. Well, that can be like part of the, the whole story here is that he ultimately, I mean, took his his attention away from Seth, who was unconscious in the ring and and stopped uh, stopped Priest. Right. Do you think we get to uh, Drew versus Priest, perhaps? Yeah, it's possible. I can't see them unless they put some big stipulation on for the Rumble, um, squeezing out another Rollins Drew match so close. Damien Priest in all of this is is. um. Is, is a big question mark just because, you know, um, Punk is clearly lined up for the Rollins match at, at WrestleMania. And is there still uh, enough of an interest in, in Damien Priest to follow up? Um, CM Punk doesn't have to win the championship, you know, and maybe that would be the time to crown Priest. So, yeah, yeah. You, you do need a match for Rollins at the Rumble. So, I mean, you can't necessarily like Drew is his program at the moment. It's not as though they have anyone else. Uh, ready so i mean they they could do some stipulation for them at the at, at the rumble or insert I, I i don't know where you you go with rollins but um maybe they do squeeze out uh, another match because you've you've got a couple of weeks and i don't know if they're just going to take uh, unless they do something random like a some battle royal to determine a new contender but that was the show um good good main event that that they had i, I would be curious if like how much the rock segment might have thrown off any of the uh the the final hour or or so like even at like 18 minutes it's like it's typical some of these big matches they get them into the ring even earlier uh than this um but nonetheless it was it was a good match that they had overall a pretty strong crowd but the big segment on the show was mark Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> I, this was it felt to me like an attempt to present a pay-per-view level uh wwe raw much like maybe nxts have, have been in the past and i feel like they were pretty successful here you know not just with um i think the match quality that you got throughout but also the video packages that they used to set up a lot of the matches too um and then having something like the rock you know really feel like a a, a, a peak of this show um, that you had to really tune in for making a big announcement, basically telling us that he was going to face Roman Reigns. I, I, I thought made this definitely a, a very good addition of raw. All right. We're going to go to your super chats and feedback uh, to chat about tonight's edition of WWE raw day one. Let's go to, Andy, who sends 100 rupees. Thank you, Andy. He says something zeitgeisty about the man who prolongs movie franchises coming along to extend Reigns' run. Rock wins the chamber to set up Mania. Poor Cody. Mm, I, don't, I don't know about that one. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see The Rock doing a... I, he, he's not wrestling in the chamber. I don't see it. The most he might do would be a rumble, you know, appearance. But even that, I don't know. Um... I don't think there's a need for him to win the chamber. Um, I'm also not convinced that he's going to, you know, um, compete at WrestleMania. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's ways you, you can get there. I mean, you know, Punk winning the Rumble would seem like one logical way to go. And then, you know, you come up with your way. Like, it doesn't have to be your chamber match. Like, if you've got The Rock, like, that's just the big match that you can you can just announce. Um, you could go that way. I'm sure they have this all mapped out. 
Uh, thank you very much for the super chats. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com for some of your written feedback that we yeah. allow all of our patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com to post after every one of these shows. Uh, I'll start off here, John, with Scrump, who says, after Dwayne's return and tease of a Mania match, along with the news that Cody hasn't signed the new contract he was offered in October, what are the odds we can retcon Cody being the devil all along? MJF versus Cody would be sweet for Wembley. Don't see, don't see that one playing out, Scrump. Yeah, I don't think so either. No, I would say just about no chance. BG from the UK. It's 4 a.m. It's my first day back at work after the Christmas break, but the WWE product convinced me to stay up. The Rock segments are never as good as we hope them to be, but we're always happy to hear the music hit. Dominic has ridiculous heat. I can only compare it to the Raw after Mania when Roman had beaten Undertaker the night before. He was booed as he kept holding the mic up to his mouth. Poor Becky. Poor Becky. She's in like a substantive feud that is... You know, I would feel poor Becky if she just won this match tonight and had nothing going into the Rumble and was just uh, directionless until Mm -hmm. you set up WrestleMania. Instead, I think they've got like, you know, a satisfying program for her that draws off history. And and they had a fine match tonight on on top of it. So I, I think Becky's like this can be she can win the rumble. She can lose the rumble and then be figured in, in February. Somehow you you get, there's many different ways, but having this obstacle before you go to, to mania, I think is uh, like, that's great. It's, I think mm-hmm. like, this is going to be one of those years where like last year you had Roman and Sammy at the February pay-per-view. I think this year, the February pay-per-view is going to be built up really big and it's not just going to be your, your in-between show. Who's Rhea facing? That chamber well she's oh like she'll, she might defend actually within the chamber itself she could defend it again in the chamber or they just put her in a big spotlight match mm-hmm. like she could she could headline that show potentially yep. and you just put her with a heel mm-hmm. well who though who's there who's available yeah. that's big enough for that spot you're well, if you're it, saving becky you know who what clubs does she frequent who could show up at a club <laughs> Um, yeah, she's in the I, clubhouse, so maybe right. Step yeah. one. Mm. Um, All right, let's go to John from Montana, who says, "I'm so glad that dastardly evil foreign Canadian Jinder Mahal was taken to task by noted American hero Dwayne Johnson. I bet the Rock rolled up to San Diego on the Lex Express. All I could think watching the Rock and Jinder was Triple H texting, "Hey Vince, turn on the TV. See everything is just as you left it. The USA versus Evil Foreigners wrestling trope needed to die like 30 years ago. Rest of Raw wasn't bad though. Seven Yokozuna power bombs out of ten. Yeah, yeah, that segment did certainly feel dated. I'm. I would also maybe suggest that um, the Rock might have had a hand in in crafting a lot of that segment. I mean, all of Jinder's lines were done to set up the Rock's comebacks. So I don't know. It's just a wrestling classic wrestling thing manny from pacoima it's a new year yes it is giovanni vinci took to twitter saying he's okay glad to hear that good old rock the dwayne johnson now has his eyes set at the head of the table perth is about to give that match such an electric atmosphere i want i went to the forum this past saturday where the downfall of punk in AEW was birthed thankfully there was no ramp for him to jump from thus saving his leg from another possible injury the show was great overall there was a lot of people in attendance it was some good fun also raquel rodriguez shared on her instagram that she has been dealing with eczema and in december she was diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome which is why she is currently out of action she doesn't want to be on camera as she gets red and swollen skin here's to another great year for post wrestling okay well there's an update on raquel rodriguez he's not aware let's go to Jermaine, who says 
uh, Jermaine from Chicago. Raw was a good show. The main event lived up to the hype. Question, does Priest realize he can cash in on Roman's title also? Can you guys explain that The Rock is the biggest star in the world? And if he chose to main event at Mania, that Cody story will be put on pause. Uh, yeah, we, we talked enough about that, I feel. Could the WWE possibly put the Roman-Randy match on first at the Rumble? Because Randy's plotting style plus Roman's plotting style doesn't equal staying awake at the end of the night. Lastly, I seem to be overly negative tonight, but why do we have to lie like everything's, everything Hunter is doing is great? His women's division stinks. You can't name one great program in the whole company. Raw has a heel champ who gets cheered. SmackDown champion doesn't cut promos and hasn't had a good program since she's been champion. The women's tag championship is trash also. No one takes Hunter to task for this media or fans. Why? Yeah, we say nothing but, but positive things the entire show. We're, we're constantly told that we're so positive uh, yeah. all the time. Um, no, there's like, uh, there, yeah, we said, we, I, I think we have like been negative on this, this women's tag division forever. Um, I, I, we've not been positive on the EO title run really. Like what has there been of note? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just Jermaine, just listen to the podcast. If there's a good segment, we'll, we'll probably say that it was a good segment. If there's a bad segment, we'll probably say that there was a, it was a bad segment. So sorry if, um, the, the rest of the media or the fans that you're following um i don't know isn't isn't doing that for you yeah yeah we're on a, we're all on a secret uh, chat we always go over like how how are we going to review something on our show and then we're all just in sync with one another muggin writes in wwe had their cake and ate it the rock showing up was a coincidence since he was in pasadena prior to the rose bowl the pro usa segment with gender was another case of rock playing the hits it did drag until he pondered about having a feast at the head of the table anyway day one raw was a hot show that set the tone i don't think rock is going to pause cody's story indefinitely i bet australia will get that elusive dream match i hope he doesn't get hurt mid-match and drew seth bodied it once again bodied it saying saying you like to use yeah Okay, let's, lastly, let's go to Will from Toronto, who says, When Jinder came out, I felt so let down and disappointed that when The Rock's music hit, I got legit excited like I used to before Twitter ruined everything. Rock should sit at the head of the table, and I will pay to see it. P.S. Go Roman. Okay. Well, there you have it, everybody. Thank you for the feedback and for all of you tuning in tonight and waiting for Powering Through on the show i wish i could say that we'll uh we'll have a calm and easy week but it's a it's a packed one folks uh tuesday night Braden harrington and davy portman are back with up next following new year's evil and then on wednesday uh it's going to be myself and brandon thurston live at three eastern we're going to be joined by uh by phil Sturm from uh the under the ring uh podcast he was also uh in attendance at the press conference on wednesday or sorry on saturday uh, after world's end and was one of the uh reporters that did uh ask about the uh, the allegations. So we're going to be talking with Phil this coming Wednesday as well. Double guest on Pollock and Thurston. We will be joined by the Chris Sampsa to kind of look at a state of New Japan going into their big show of the year. And um, if his stats could be marred, um, if someone is drunk or hung over, what is what is the rate of match quality if someone is um, nursing a hangover as well? Now, this is the big story going into the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 18. Wednesday night, we've got Rewind to Dynamite. And then Thursday, it is Wrestle Kingdom 18. So tune in, mm-hmm. postwrestlingcafe.com. We've got four, four big shows on the cafe this week, starting with Wrestle Kingdom 18. So join myself, Waiting, Bruce Lord, um, 
when do you feel we'll have that that show coming out on thursday way roughly uh on thursday we're set to record at 3 p.m eastern so sometime okay. in the afternoon um so sometime in the evening I, I suppose would would when people should be looking out for that so jump on the cafe for all of our wrestle kingdom coverage and again we're live sunday night at 8 eastern on the cafe it's the best and worst of 2023 Braden harrington davy portman waiting and myself going through all of the picks uh, the categories are up at forum.postwrestling.com. You're more than welcome to share your own. And uh, I've got to sit down and make a list this week because I haven't even thought of uh, this, any any of these categories yet. Me neither. Um, so, yeah, let us know what you guys think and uh, join us live if you're a member of the Post Wrestling or Poison Rana Patreons on Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right. And before you click X on your browser, before that, click like. And subscribe to the channel below. Hit that button and just, you know, if if you hit it enough times, all of you out there, Wei will be cured by tomorrow morning. So if you care about Wei Ting's health, subscribe <laughs> to the YouTube channel. Uh-oh. Did someone just unsubscribe? Help me. Come on. This is like uh, Tinkerbell getting her uh, her powers by you clapping at home, okay, to, to bring light to, yeah. to Tinkerbell. Um, for you Peter Pan fans out there. Thank you. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you Wednesday.